one day I decided to ask myself, could I break five minutes in the mile? At age 30, could I return to the sport of track and go after my unmet goal of breaking five minutes? Was my body capable of this? Was my mind capable of this? And most importantly, was my spirit capable of pushing through the ups and downs to find the answer? You are listening to Breaking Five, a running podcast, where we search for this answer as well as yours for achieving your Breaking Five moment, whatever that may be for you. We will gain inspiration and knowledge from others who have achieved their Breaking Five moment, those working towards theirs, as well as those who have helped the athletes along the way. I'm your host, Kristen Schultz, physical therapist, runner, and running coach. Let's run full force towards our wildest dreams and take a listen to today's episode. All right. So in this episode, I get the great pleasure of talking to Melanie Connell. We, Melanie is a physical therapist, health coach, and she has a specialty in working with, um, with runners too, and, and all people, but with their breathing. So we're really going to dive into breathing today in this episode and how that relates to running, just normally running, but also if you're injured. So super insightful discussion here. I definitely learned a lot. Uh, I'm really excited for you guys to, get to learn a lot and definitely stay tuned to where you can find some helpful links. Um, at the end of this show for, for helping you if you want some more hands-on um, tools to how to help with your breathing. So without further ado, here we go into today's episode with Melanie. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. Super excited for today's episode. I am here with Melanie Connell. Um, she is a physical therapist and health coach and with a specialty in working with people with breathing going to get into that a little bit more, but she has her own practice in Costa Mesa, California. She is the owner of Remedy Physical Therapy and Wellness and super excited to have you on today, Melanie. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, this will be fun. So, so like I said, stay tuned, if, you know, for, and really if you're a runner and or physical therapist, cause we're going to get into later, of course, after we go into Melanie's journey on ways that breathing can really tie into a runner's rehab and even just if a non-injured um, runners to help their performance overall. So that's what the topic's going to be. But we're, of course, like any episode, going to dive into her story, her running business story as well. So Melanie, if you don't mind, could you let our listeners know a little bit about your running story? When did you get started? Where did running start for you? Yeah, well, I guess it started back in junior high when I first joined the track team and uh, I wasn't ever really very good, <laughs> but it was fun. And I really liked just exercising in general. Um, but then I moved on to uh, other sports and ended up playing volleyball in college. And so running was something that was with our training. Um, we worked a lot on sprints and hill sprints. And, and then after college, that's where running kind of took more center stage because it was really the only thing that I knew I could do that um, didn't cost anything and still kept me in shape. Yep, yep. <laughs> so yeah, it went from, you know, entering 5k races to I did 10ks and then half marathons and then really got into triathlon training. And that was super fun. The only thing that made me kind of quit was moving and my kids getting older and me not having enough time to put into yeah. training. <laughs> yeah. Triathlon um, training takes a lot more. I like it. Yeah, I, I needed a good full 
you know, hour and a half to two hours a day. And the boys were little and so it worked, but then, you know, they get busy with sports and then my sports kind of gets put on the back burner and not that it's just how life went. It's just different seasons of life. So, right. um, but yeah, I loved that because for half marathons, I'm not very fast. So it would still take me two hours <laughs> or just under to complete. And so I could do a sprint triathlon in two hours. And then I was like breaking up like, oh, I got yeah. to run. Yes. <laughs> I, got to bike. I got to swim. Obviously that's in the reverse order, but yes. um, it was like, oh, I went on to something else instead of just right. having to be like, oh my gosh, I've got 10 miles left for two um, hours. So, <laughs> right. So that part I really enjoyed and maybe one day I'll get back into it. But as of now, it's like strength training and running with my dog. Yeah, no, that makes yeah. sense. I, as I'm injured currently, I'm swimming lots, not even to biking yet, um, but soon, hopefully. Um, but it's yeah. made me think, I'm like, oh, like I've always said I was going to get into triathlons more than I actually have. Um, maybe this will be my key and maybe I'll get into triathlons. Well, you're in a good place for it. I know that's the other part. Like, um, like, you know, the summer's here. I did not enjoy running during the summer. So I'm like, but biking's okay. And swimming's okay in the summer. So right. maybe that's what right. I do instead. I don't know. Yeah. I loved swimming. I s- swam in a competitively as a young girl too. So okay. that was, um, I know that deters a lot of people from going into triathlons, but that was the most fun part for me. Like, yeah. The yeah. running part actually was the part I didn't like. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's one or the other. You're either like, like the yeah. swimming and not the running or you're like the running and not the swimming. I like right. them both. I'm just not good at swimming. I'm just really slow, but that's okay. I do enjoy it. <laughs> well, and if you just going for little sprint triathlons, I mean, you can do, you know, any, you know, like a quarter mile swim or something like that. Yeah. It's not really that long. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So you can get in there and handle it make up for it on the bike and the run. <laughs> right. Exactly. But, but that's fun. But yes, triathlon takes a lot more time. So now mainly running and, um, you're out in California and well, mm-hmm. obviously not right now, lots of races, but I would imagine normally with where you're at, there's probably races every weekend. I don't know. Is that, is it pretty normally? <laughs> yeah. The most recent one I did, well, it was still a couple years ago, but I did a Spartan race. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lot of fun. Those are too, fun too. Because it's running, but obstacles and yeah. you're still stopping and trying to do all these different crazy things. Yeah. And if I felt like I couldn't do it, I'm like, okay, we'll just do burpees instead. <laughs> yeah. You're like, <laughs> kind of oh. give you that out. <laughs> if you're like, nope, not doing that. No matter what, we'll just go down and do burpees. Although I was really good with the spear when you have to throw the Did spear you? into the the hay bale at first try. <laughs> nice. That's what I was going to say. That's like the number. I think that's the, that was the first one I had to do burpees on there was a challenge. It was like that one. And then you had to like climb sideways. I think I didn't complete that one, but yeah, the spear one, I'll just do the burpees right away next time. I think. No, right. I don't know. Yeah. I surprised myself. I, it's not like I practiced it. I had. Yeah. Time. Yeah. How do you, yeah. You can go out and practice for it. No, those are a lot of fun. That would be. Yeah. I would love to do that. Now that I'm in an, I'm in an area where there's stuff nearby, that would be fun to do again. So yes. Love that. What, um, what was I going to say? Um, how has your, how has your Corona running been? Like, have you been still running normally? Do you have any goals for once races are back or where are you at with your own running right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, around here, any kind of outdoor activity is still accepted. So for a while they closed down parks, you know, that was in the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's right. Yeah. But now that they're open, I mean, yeah. So I still go out and run with my dog or run down to the beach. 
um, and back. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I don't know when, I don't foresee races coming anytime soon. I don't right. know how that's going to work. Right. It's kind of any of those types of big gatherings for athletics. I don't know. Right, right. When we'll, yeah. <laughs> Are yeah, you... The world's <laughs> taking a different turn. <laughs> yeah. So I did do a turkey trout with my mom, but that was like with our gym. Um, they, you know, said we're going to meet. And so everyone just meets on this trail and then you just kind of go. So it's kind of like you're there together, but you're not running in a big group. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so there good. are things that's that you nice. can do that way. That's, that's not nice like that 500 play. people. Yeah. That's nice. And yeah. especially out in California, cause I feel like that's, it's more restricted there than here, you know? So, right. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways it's true. Yeah. No. Awesome. Um, so are you a big race person then? Like, do you need races to train for or not necessarily? You're... Well, that's the main reason. So my husband, he would laugh if you were listening to this because he used to tell me like, why are you doing races if you're not trying to win? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> because he ran track in college. So okay, okay. Jumper. Yes. So that was, you know, if he's like, if you're going to do it, you might as well try to win. And I'm like, well, that's not my goal. I want to I, I need to have that race so that I know what I'm working towards. Right. I mean, yes. that's really like how I did it. Cause if I didn't have anything to train for, then it's like, well, what's the point? Yeah. So that's why I always put myself in those because it gave me something to shoot for just being yeah. an athlete. Like you have to have that kind of incentive a little bit. Right. But no, I've never won anything <laughs> <laughs> in that regard. It just was like, oh, well, I'm just, I don't know. Maybe it was just a, a type of self-discipline that I knew that I, it, helped me have yeah yeah no I think that's a lot of what a lot of runners are you know struggling with right now but also having right because it isn't just a short-term thing you know so right keep running gotta have other other motivations for running right now right definitely so so you have your own practice how long have you had your own practice for coming up on three years but I've been a PT for 20 awesome did you know you always wanted your own practice eventually or no, not in the beginning. It was, I guess when I had the boys, you know, when they were really little, they're 19 months apart. So they're 14 and 15 now. Okay. Um, when they were really little, it was like, oh, I'm just going to take some time off because, you know, just being a mom. And right. then I started getting back into, you know, working part-time and doing per diem stuff. And then as they got older, I started working more and more. And then it was like, oh, I really would like to do this differently than what I've seen all these years. Yeah. So it just kind of morphed over time of like me really loving being a clinician and wanting to, to be able to do it a little bit more creatively and how I thought things needed to be done and not having to work for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't something I really had thought about in the beginning, but just the older I got, the more I'm like, why am I doing this for somebody else? <laughs> right. I could be doing this for myself. Yeah. I mean, are you in a clinic then? Or are you like, are you mobile? You're in a clinic, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I have my own small practice. I have no employees. It's just me. So people okay. come in by appointment only. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. And then do you work with, um, do you work with just runners or do you work with a number of people? Correct. Yeah. So I, um, I work with a lot of runners, but it's not, it's not the only thing that I see. Um, I started out with like seeing people who have been around the block a lot in physical therapy. And so this could fall under persistent pain, but 
the people that have come in here aren't necessarily like, I don't know if they would consider themselves chronic pain patients. I think we kind of give that like this, its own little stigma in some ways, but there are a lot of young people Mm -hmm. um, and young meaning like teenagers up to like 30, 40, 50, still young, um, wanting to exercise and be active and dealing with these chronic long-term persistent issues. Yeah. So that's who generally comes in here is, um, you know, they're not someone who's on pain management and dealing with opioids, but working with like, I've been to PT, I've been to acupuncture, I've been to chiropractor. Why am I still not better and able to do whatever it is I want to do as far as a goal with sports? Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's, that's a cool niche to be in. And I think really needed. And, um, like I've been there myself, I kind of was alluding to it before this call a little bit, but, but I've had like some chronic neck pain actually, which has been like, it's never fully gone away, but it's like, I've found my ways to manage it. Right. But currently with swimming, it's coming back because I'm using my upper body and all that, you know, stuff. I'm like, Oh shoot, I'm going to have to start focusing on this. But anyways, it was a time in my life had like tried everything and I was a PT, but like Mm-hmm. myself and it was just really yeah um I'm very active it's not like chronic pain is just for like unactive right. people <laughs> so right so that's a really cool niche and I feel like not every PT wants to um work with that too or has the patients or you know like so that's yeah that's cool yeah and I I love it because one I get to hear what's already been done <laughs> so it right. kind of you know weeds it out in some ways and then the way that I have set up my practice is to have the approach of like helping people understand that everything's connected. So we're looking at you biomechanically, but then we're also going to talk about stress and sleep and breathing and nutrition and mindset and like look at the whole cycle of how things are intermixed because sometimes this persistent issue could be something that's not just a biomechanical issue. Right, right. And I think that really always should be a full part of rehab, but it's like in a normal clinic setting, we don't really, it's just not set up that way to be able. No, you don't, you don't have time. Don't have time to address that all. Right. Yeah. And so, and that's where, not to say that the, the people that they saw before went the complete wrong path, but no. a lot of it is that when people come in here, it's, it's like, I liked my PT, but they just didn't listen. Right? Yeah. So yeah. there's some kind of mess up in the communication of, did they really fully understand what it was you were trying to t- say about your body or what your goals are? And so right. that gets lost when you're only seeing someone for 20 minutes. Yeah. As I'm saying, it's not like necessarily like you said, it's not even like their fault per se. It's just like, you know, depending on the, the system they're working in, they right. Yeah. Have to do what they can do in this short amount of time. So, right. But no, that's nice. So how long do you usually spend with your patients? Um, an hour. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So I know, you know, obviously we talked about this beginning that you're going to get into breathing a decent amount and how that can relate to runners too. Um, when did you start like incorporating that into your practice or was there any one thing that, you know, not triggered, but like made you start to look into how much breathing is connected to injuries or how did that start for you as a PT, I guess? Yeah, well, it started um, with the very basics of understanding that the diaphragm is part of the core. So in that regard, like if you're trying to work on core stability or core strength for postpartum and you're not incorporating the diaphragm, then you're missing an integral part of the core. And then looking at 
just with someone's thoracic mobility, like if we talk about running, for example, right? And someone clenches their abs when they're running, they hold really tight, or even they clench their pelvic floor when they're running, um, and they do a lot of arm swing, but there's no give in the torso, then you need to look at, well, how can you gain that thoracic mobility? Because you have to have rotation in order to have reciprocal motion. And so a lot of that comes from the diaphragm and being able to open up from the inside and use the rib cage to breathe. Yeah. Um, and then that can actually help someone get quicker um, or get better more quickly than having them just do like pec stretches, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, cause that can actually, actually open it up versus having to yeah. passively do it. It's like, exactly. And active is always right. better than passive, right? <laughs> no, that's awesome. So what, um, well, we'll start here since we're kind of talking about like injuries when it comes to runners, what, what are the common things you see as far as um, where their breathing is playing a role or like, is there a certain type of injuries that you tend to see it with or not necessarily all injuries? Well, this year it's been a lot of lateral hip pain. Um, okay. <laughs> if you're looking at, so there, so we just talked about like a glimpse of thoracic rotation, right? So I would look at that. We'll start there first. And before I get to the hip pain, if you're looking at someone's thoracic mobility, then that's not just in their rotation, but how does that also incorporate with their SI okay. um, and, and their hips? So that's something I'm going to look at no matter what they're coming in for is, especially if they're a runner, is their ability to be able to... Uh, rotate their trunk. And then if you're looking at hip pain in the pelvic girdle, then you can look at pelvic floor. And so if the diaphragm's the top of the core, the pelvic floor is the bottom, the floor. So that works on central hip stability. So I incorporate that even though I don't do internal pelvic floor, that's yeah. a part that you can incorporate along with the breathing to be able to make sure that they're hip has enough stability for when they're landing yeah. every time they're landing. And if they're collapsing, there's a lot more than just the hip abductors that can come into play. Yeah, no, that makes sense. What, um, so you, you don't do, you say you don't do internal pelvic floor. You're not like a pelvic floor specialist, but obviously mm -mm. any PT you're bringing that into awareness with the athletes that you're working with. Yes. Um, but just talking about, you know, especially with hip pain, like, um, you know, your pelvic floor, right. Think about your pelvis area and the, the muscles down there, they, the, how much that plays a role into your, well, anything really it can be anything, but especially hip pain. Cause it's right there. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and if you haven't had, if you're not paying attention to that, that can play a role into your, into your pain that you might be having really anywhere down the chain. Um, but mm -hmm. also, so that's below, but then we have our, you know, rib cage above and diaphragm. And that is what well, Melanie's talking about both, but that's what, what she's talking about. Just for any of the listeners that are maybe, you know, um, runners and not in the PT field itself. I know I have a lot of listeners that are also PTs, but a lot of listeners that are also just runners. So, and that doesn't necessarily have to be postpartum. Right. Um, yeah in order to be addressed. So, and it doesn't always have to be that you have incontinence either in order to be addressed. So it really should be looked at just like any other muscle and how it connects to the rest of the system. Yeah, no, and I feel like, I mean, shoot, I feel like, I mean, it's not necessarily, not that I'm practiced that much um, anymore in person, but when I was, it's not something I was, you know, 
feel like I had a really good grip on from just what we learn in school. Right. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, at least I didn't feel like that. Um, right. So I feel like that's where like continuing education in certain classes come in, come in the role for sure. Yeah. And just even to know how to ask your patients and to screen for things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, because it can kind of be a sensitive topic at the same time. And right. So, yeah, just understanding how to work that in and help someone feel comfortable with why you're asking things. Like yeah. That. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, for sure. Especially they're like, well, why did you ask me about this? Um, yeah. So lateral hip pain has been like a common one, this, especially this this Corona time the past year. Um, and what, what kind of things do you work on? Is there anything, and obviously this is not, um, you know, medical advice. This is just (laughs) Melanie sharing what she knows, but is there anything that you can, that any runner can do to help their breathing? Um, or that you can describe, you know, over this podcast, or is it more so something that you would definitely want to get looked at, you know, if you're having issues? Well, I mean, I would say, yes, anyone should be working on their breathing. So when you're looking at whether you're injured or non-injured, you can look at it a couple different ways. But if you're talking about understanding the importance of breathing in general as a runner, then you want to look at not just in how it connects to you physically, um, like through your ribcage and your pelvis, but also how it's affecting you physiologically. And then that's with obviously understanding VO2 max and the the efficiency of the body to use oxygen. So in that regard, that's where I have a different subset of helping people um, or helping runners be able to breathe better and more efficiently, which then gives them a more efficient capacity to, uh, to train and to recover. So the first thing is understand about yourself are you a nose breather or a mouth breather? And that's at rest or at, at with exercise. And those could be two different things. Two different, two different things. <laughs> so most people will know if they're a mouth breather at rest and at exercise, but like it can be really easy or easier for some people to breathe through their nose when they're just sitting, but then you get their heart rate up and then it's like uh, gasping for air. Yeah. <laughs> So do you know personally, like when you go out for a run? I think just sitting on my nose breather, I can answer that. I think because I know you weren't asked about running, but I'm thinking like, I think I like close my mouth. What do I do? I've actually been told <laughs> I do something weird. Oh, I'll just like breathe out really. Like I'll like hold, oh, I like hold my breath. And then all of a sudden I'm like, let it all out. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like sighing. I've been, I like, I definitely like just hold my breath and I have no clue I'm doing it and then I'll just like yeah breathe so I think I'm a nose breather like I mean that's mouth breather but I think I don't even know <laughs> <laughs> I'm breathing through my nose that through the rest of the time um uh, when I'm running let's see I haven't ran in over a month what, what do I do when I run I think my nose too I think I close my mouth I mean I think I, it comes out of my mouth too but I mean <laughs> I don't know <laughs> but yeah I, my mouth is closed I'm breathing through my nose and then I'll let like a sigh out I feel like I do the same thing probably running as I do sitting yeah. down. <laughs> so I remember being at the gym, it's probably a year or so ago, and the trainer's always telling, it's in a boot camp class, so he's always saying breathe. And there was one girl that yelled out, I can't, it's either breathe or exercise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's true for a lot of people. Like you start, if, especially if you're um, not trained in how to be efficient, then it's just like, 
you feel like you have to get all your oxygen in and all the air in. And so that's the best way to do it is through the mouth. Yeah. But there's a lot of studies that show that breathing through the nose during exercise, it actually gives you better oxygen uptake. Okay. And part of that is because there's a level of carbon dioxide you have to be willing to be more sensitive to. Okay. And it's the CO2 that actually takes the oxygen off the hemoglobin and allows the muscle to use it. Okay. So it's not just breathe in more air and expect your body to use the oxygen. There's a gas exchange that has to take place. So yeah. So nasal breathing would be one of the things that someone should look at and like just assess, be aware of in your body because that makes a big difference in your efficiency at rest, but also in performance. Okay. Okay. No. So you would like probably just like pay, like when you go out for a run, just be like, Oh, what am I doing right now? Am I breathing through my nose or am I breathing through my mouth? Basically probably the yeah, best. If you don't you know. know, then right. <laughs> Cause I think right. I'd actually have to go do it to like, hmm, what do I do? Right. And so what you could do is since you, are you able to walk? You have your weight bearing. I can walk, not like suit. Yeah, I can walk. Yep. I can walk. But you can ride a bike, right? Not yet. Um, I haven't tried it, but I don't feel like my foot's ready for that <laughs> amount of pushing with the planner okay. yet, unless yeah. I'm holding myself, but, um, I don't So there'd be, have to be some way to get your and heart rate up. Swimming, swimming wouldn't really count because you're underwater. I was, was going to say, um, I was like, I'm swimming, but I'm yeah. like, that's very different because you're coming up for a breath. <laughs> yeah. There'd have to be some way to get your heart rate up to then see what happens to notice how your breathing yeah. responds. Yeah. I've been rowing but I don't get up my heart rate that up high, that high, probably. Yeah. Probably yeah. Like 120 or 130 or something. Right. Not probably not even 130. So the other thing that I, cause I've had some, one guy in particular, he's trying to get into the Olympics for the steeplechase. Ooh, nice. And his issue that he said is he felt like he couldn't control his heart rate once it gets up to a certain level. Okay. Um, and then he had a hard time recovering. Okay. And so Part of that was looking at his breathing patterns and, and switching from mouth to nose. Okay. Um, and then also working on some specific breath holds and different things, because if you can't control your heart rate, unless you control your breathing and then that controls your heart rate. Okay. Because okay. we yeah, don't have yeah. conscious control of our heart. Right. But just sitting here, you start breathing faster, your heart rate's going to go up and then you bring that breath down and do long, slow exhales, your heart rate's going to come down. So yeah. there's ways that you can incorporate that into an exercise capacity that can give someone better control autonomically in their yeah. training, but also in their recovery. Okay. No, that's awesome. Is there any like tips that are easy to give like over this? And that would be easy for someone to understand as far as what they could do to start working on their breath. If they feel like that is, you know, something they need. Yeah. So, um, the thing would be to challenge what happens when you get that heart rate going and then see if you can control it nose in and nose out. And like, usually you have to work on that rest before movement and then duration before intensity. Okay. Because if you go out and try to do high intense sprint and breathe through your nose, most likely it's not going to happen. Yeah. So you have to work on it on, you know, slower increments. Okay. Um, and then, you know, see how well you can control it. Once you get up to like 85% intensity or more, you know, if you're really that much of an elite runner, then usually you're going to have some mouth in there too. 
But part of that training in breathing through the nose ensures that your muscles are using more oxygen. And so that alone can help with your running economy because you don't have to work as hard. There was a um, study done, I think his name is George Dollum out of Colorado State University. I think they were runners. What did I... Pretty sure they're runners. Yeah. And he took six months and had them work on nasal breathing for six months. Okay. Only. And then worked on and then tested like how hard they could um, still get their work rate, like their intensity up. And they had a hundred percent work rate, but they had 22% less breathlessness. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like like, their, their capacity to work was just as good yeah. And then the breathlessness they had came down by almost a quarter. Okay. So that means that you can actually be more efficient and, and work at a higher intensity with less effort yeah. just by focusing on the breathing part. Wow. Okay, cool. Does that like correlate? I mean, I guess that would make sense that it would, but correlate into like, you know, performance times and, um, For sure. too. yeah. I mean, if, if you're putting less effort into the same amount of work, like probably going to right yeah I mean that's part of there's a lot that goes into running economy and how someone can be efficient this would be one way as far as the you know gas exchange and the biochemistry of what's happening in your body but then you also have to look at like form and you know yeah range and all kinds of different things strategy pressure impact stuff like that but um yeah but it's a it's a key component that can help you still have that work intensity, but not have to feel as fatigued during, but then also help you with that recovery after. And that's the interesting thing, because I feel like performance should be like a scale of training and recovery, because you can't just do all the training and not focus on your sleep and your food, right? Those are integral parts. Yep. And so breathing can help with the performance, but it also helps with the recovery. And that can give you, maybe I should say breathing should help with the training and also the recovery. So it gives yeah. you a better overall performance from both of those. It's on both sides. And I think, yeah, I think a couple of good things that you said there, um, you know, as far as, you know, not even necessarily breathing related, but just the importance of like training is two parts, the actual training and it's the recovery. Right. And I feel like, right recovery parts, the part that most of us don't focus on enough at all, you know, and yeah. you see as actually training, you know, like, I mean, in the sense of this is actually what helps you get better. So, yeah, I think that you had Chris Johnson on, right? Yep. Yep. He had said something recently as far as like, was it, I'm going to butcher it, but it's something like, uh, 80% of runners run at 80% yeah. intensity, 80% of the time which means 80% of them are injured or something, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. But that kind of goes along with that. If you're only, if like, if you're maxing out to 80% all of the time, oh, yeah. then how do you expect your body to be able to bounce back and be resilient? Cause you're right. pushing too hard. Right. Exactly. No, I like that. And then the other part that I know you had said earlier that was good too. And I mean, was, I, I feel like when you talk about running economy, a lot of times you're thinking like form things like that, but it's like breathing too, like that plays a role into how economical you are. So yeah. Um, the, the other part that I see is people who really try to hold their abs tight and like, you know, clench up and stay stiff as opposed to relaxing their breathing um, yeah. when they're running. And, you know, that's something that can be worked on with just training how to use your diaphragm 
and yeah. how to breathe from the lower rib cage and learn how to let the abdomen go, especially in females. We, I feel like we constantly hold tension in the abdomen. And so that would be another part of it is like understanding that lower rib cage and that 360 degrees all the way down. So that way it's not just upper rib cage and accessory neck muscles that are moving with breathing. Right, right. Do you have any, and I know you have like article that you shared with me. Do you have any like resources that are, you know, would be helpful for anyone that's, you know, listening to this episode and it's like, oh, like, um, like, do you have any, like, I don't know, videos or anything like that, that would be helpful? I do. So I have a part on my website called Remedy for Runners. Okay. Um, And so I do have some videos on there as far as how to pace your breathing when you're running and then how to test your carbon dioxide tolerance. And I have a one on HRV. So yeah, just trying to give information. And then I wrote the how to breathe when you run. It's on the Mother Runners website, but I wrote that article Okay. because I feel like you know, the more I talk about this, the more people are like, oh, this is a capacity that I don't really consider. So it's, it's been fun to talk about and just kind of help open people's eyes a little bit differently. Yeah, no. So we'll, we'll definitely link that in the show notes. Um, so anyone listening, if you're kind of like, hey, yeah, I think I need to work on this or yeah, I know I'm a mouth breather or um, and whatever it might be, or you just feel like, I mean, sure, any, it would benefit anyone if you've never focused on it, but we can link that in the show notes. So if you want to go, I think it might be one of those things that might be easier to visualize, um, to, to see, um, to right. figure out like, how can this help me? Yeah. Uh, I also just did a webinar on helping physical therapists understand carbon dioxide okay. tolerance. Oh, cool. Um, so that'll be up on the website soon too. Oh, cool. Sweet. Sweet. When did you do that? Mm, last week, December 1st. Okay. Okay. Just like a, it was like a free, free webinar. It was free. Yeah. And then I'm going to put it up for a small purchase. Um, on the website soon yeah cool Mm -hmm. cool yeah that's smart oh that's awesome awesome so i'll put your website and yeah what um so we're talking about we're talking about non-injured runners really right now anything else to go over that we didn't go over that would be important for like just any runner to know with their breathing whether it's a tip of how to work on it or things to pay attention for when to know you need to work on your breathing well one of them could be just how to pace it so basically what i was said I had a video of. There are different ways to do it, but you, instead of just breathing really fast and trying to match your pace, you can still try to control the breathing pace. And so sometimes that looks at for recreational runners of inhaling three steps, exhaling three steps, ideally through the nose, um, to keep that controlled and not just like huff and puff and gasp for air. Yeah. Um, As you get a little bit faster, then sometimes that's like inhale three steps, exhale two. Um, but there's not like, I've looked at a lot of them out there. There's not like, oh, this is the way you should do it because everyone is different. And I, I have a hard time following into like, oh, this is your specific breathing protocol because you know, there's no one's the same. So the point is though, is like learning for you what that pace would look like. Can you do inhale three steps, exhale three steps or three, two, or you know, something like that. So where you're at least trying to get a little bit better cadence in there. Yeah. And then once you can get that, then it kind of can come naturally. You don't have to, you know, have that internal dialogue all the time. Yeah. Um, But in order to get there, you also have to know how to do it efficiently, just walking in slower heart rate first. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Maybe I can practice it walking right now. Right. There you go. (laughs) No, so, so it kind of depends on the person. It's not like one 
one way is going to fit all kind of deal. Yeah. It depends on how, how fast you're running and how fast you're used to running, but at least trying to figure out a right cadence. There was one article that I read that said that they don't like the three and three because that means every time you're always inhaling on the same foot and exhaling on the same foot. And I just at least try let people start there because then it gives them an idea of like how to manage that breath when they're running. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. If someone was like, oh, I want, like, let's say they even like look at some stuff and they're like, oh, I really need to work on this. Like what, what is, do you have any recommendations on like how they would like, you know, or let's say someone's been injured a lot and they're like, oh, maybe breathing is like something I need to work on. Do you have any recommendations on like what type of PT or is it always a PT that they should, you know, look for to work with? Well, I think physical therapy. Yeah, I'm I'm biased, obviously. (laughs) We would be we would be the best ones to for sure work with. I mean, I also have a specific like online wellness that I can see people virtually. Okay, but um, yeah, I mean, I would say to if you find some a PT in your area, then you know you should do your own due diligence and ask. Like, you know, I I feel like the diaphragm and breathing are coming around a lot more than they used to as far as in PT. Yeah. So ask and say, is this something that you know how to incorporate into my, into my um, treatment routine? Yeah. Did you take any certain courses that you recommend to for like any of PTs listening that were helpful? Uh, Specifically on breathing. Not that I can think of. I think a lot of it is just a hodgepodge of what I've tried to dive into myself. Yeah. Of learning, but that would be a yeah. good idea. No, you don't need courses. Like if you're a yeah, so better. Like if you can, if you learn on your own, that means you're actually good at like actively being like, oh yeah, like why does this happen versus just being told this, you know? So yeah, and a lot of it, it just you know, you look at someone. Um, differently when you can understand that there's a different component than just, you know, just take a deep breath. Like there's a lot of different things that the diaphragm can link into. Um, And so it just gives you a different set of eyes. So yeah, there's, I haven't taken any specific con ed courses that I can think of on it. Yeah. Do you have all your patients work on breathing? Like, you, you know, regardless, will you be like, all right, let's look at, or is there something you're going to look at or yeah (laughs) sometimes I wonder if people come in here and they're like you know they have plantar fasciitis and they're like is she going to make me breathe (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I probably have at some point um I don't know if I have worked it into every single person (laughs) so let's say even if it doesn't necessarily incorporate all the time in with like their body part you also yeah. want to look at how stressed out the person is right well that's what I'm saying like I'm guessing and I, if, well, I don't know yes yeah, so if they have a lot of sympathetic overdrive then breathing should definitely be considered yeah. to be part of their routine so yeah in some regards there's a need for it for just about anybody what do you usually give someone if it's you know just part of their routine like like it's not necessarily for their running like what does that look like well so um locating their diaphragm and understanding the proper way to breathe first uh, and then working on um, either longer exhales. So like you'll do a four second inhale, eight second exhale and giving that to them to help reduce the stress and tension in their body. Yeah. And then also breath holds. 
Okay. So we'll do box, box breathing. Okay. So that's the inhale, hold, exhale, hold, and they're all the same amount of time. Okay. And that can help calming also. Okay. Okay. I feel like we can all yeah. use more breath work in general. So I know I can. So <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not like a meditation yoga person. Um, yeah. It's I not like, like yoga, but yeah. it doesn't always have to be like, you have to go into a dark room and listen to quiet <laughs> music. Yes, yes. A lot of these I have people do if, if they're working and they're sitting at their computer, like, yeah, you know, that leads into that sympathetic feeling and that body tension. And so giving them specific practices to say, Hey, every 20 minutes or once an hour, you know, you can take this time and do some breathing and stare off into the horizon and not on your screen. Um, And that gives them an ability to reduce that tension, whether it's in their neck or their pelvic floor. So yeah, there's, there's practices that you can work in throughout the day for no no matter who your person or your patient is to be able to meet them where they are. Yeah. Yeah. They don't all have to take up yoga and, you know, meditate for 30 minutes. <laughs> no, I like that though. That's helpful. <laughs> um, let's see anything else on breathing in general that we didn't cover that you wanted to make sure to talk about. Mm, I feel like we covered that pretty well. Cool. Perfect. Oh, one of the things that I did have written down is as we just talked about doing the longer exhale, um, like a twice as long exhale as a, a as opposed to the inhale that also can work in recovery, like after your exercise routine. Okay. Okay. So like to bring the heart rate down, yeah. you can inhale it and it can be anything. So inhale three seconds, exhale six seconds, and you'll okay. see the heart rate come down quicker. Okay. And just, you know, breathing in and out through the, the mouth and gasping as you just yeah. done with your run or your sprint or <laughs> yeah. your deadlift or whatever. Yeah. Okay. No, that's awesome. No, that's helpful too. Very cool. Yeah. And we'll put your, so website. Um, I know I usually do this then at the end, but since we're talking about it, <laughs> we'll put your website in the show notes and then, well, we'll, well, we'll go this, well, whatever I'm going this way anyways, but we'll still have another question for you, but where are the best places for people to find you at? If they want more information, especially on um, breathing. Yeah. My webs- website is remedypt.com and then Instagram's at remedyoc because the PT was taken and I'm, I'm in the OC. So that's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's, that's what we got. Okay, perfect. So yeah, we'll leave both those in the show notes. So you can follow her on Instagram and find those tools we were talking about on her website. So awesome. Yeah. Um, last thing I like to ask any of my um, guests that come on is, you know, what their breaking five moment is. Now, obviously it doesn't have to be a breaking five moment, but that would be so... In, in running, is there anything, um, that, and it could be any running fitness, whatever, or anyone you, you know, worked with that was like something you didn't know if you could do or a big goal you're going after. And, you know, you went after and you accomplished it and, or didn't either way. Like, is there like a moment like that for you in your running and or life that, that you can relate to? Mm, So me personally, yeah. Or if it's someone you worked with, maybe it's even someone you, I mean, if it's someone you worked with and you know, PT or as a, as a coach, either way, um, could be something that you've helped someone get towards too. That's a good question. I didn't prepare you for this one. I could have. (laughs) Let's see. I mean, I would say I felt really accomplished when I did, um, my triathlon in, uh, Tahoe. Okay. So that was like a really neat moment. 
and the water was frigid. Um, so yeah, that was something that I really um, enjoyed and felt proud of myself that I never knew I could do. That's so awesome. we'll go with that one. Yeah, no, I like it. Like what, what distance was it? Um, triathlon or was just no it wasn't my first it was a it was a sprint there's I I'm not an iron man type of person yeah but it's like the iron woman though (laughs) (laughs) was it kind of like the the course itself was um yeah so you ran or you swam in in and around a, a buoy in Lake Tahoe okay um and then yeah so then we had to um bike I feel like 15, 20 miles. I can't, I can't remember now. 15 miles and then run for a uh, 5k. Yeah. And I remember my feet were like literally still frozen when I was running. Like I couldn't feel them the entire time. <laughs> From the swim being so cold. Yeah. The water was so cold. Oh, man. And the but air that- temperature, we did have to wear a wetsuit. The air temperature was like 39 or something. And the water, I, as soon as I get into it, you like want to freeze your body just stops it's like oh wait I gotta keep going <laughs> yeah you're like dang it but that sounds was it pretty it sounds like a very pretty oh it's gorgeous it's <laughs> yeah. the prettiest water I've ever been in it lit, it was like swimming through glass oh my gosh like you could see Is everything oh completely clear oh yeah I want to go I actually I had some PT classmates and friends that back in October they went out there and they had invited me but with just this year and everything going on I didn't go but we'll love to go sometime yeah you need to for sure I'd love to go back too yeah no but awesome awesome no I love that I would that sounds that would be yeah that'd be a cool place to do a triathlon for sure yeah definitely Um, but anyways well thank you so much for sharing um so much on the breathing I feel like it's not something I've even you know looked probably enough into myself something I feel like i could work on more. I've been told I can work on more too. So I'm super excited to look up your resources and stuff too. And for anyone else, if you know, if you've never looked into your breathing, make sure to look up resources. Um, I know this will be helpful for a lot of our listeners. Um, we told you where to find Melanie, but, and before we go, anything else you can think of? I know we kind of, I think we covered it all. I just want to make sure, make sure. No. Well, one quick tip is if you're going to start breathing through your nose when you're exercising, make sure you bring like a handkerchief or a Kleenex or something. Okay. You might, you might have a lot more snot. Running down oh, your geez. oh my gosh. That's funny. that's funny. Okay. So be prepared for that. That's good. Or just, if you have a shirt, yeah. not summertime, I guess. Right. There you go. <laughs> but awesome. I love that. Cool. Well, thank you, Melanie. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on and yeah, thank you. we will catch you on the next episode of breaking five. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. We hope you are running away with some inspiration, tips, and actionable items that you can put towards your Breaking Five moment. Lastly, if you know anyone else with a Breaking Five moment, that doesn't have to actually mean literally Breaking Five, just a Breaking Five moment in general, in running, in life, or anyone else who has great knowledge and background in helping others reach their Breaking Five moment, I would love for you to put me in contact with them. We would love to have them on the show. So if you could and let them know, if you know of someone else, tell them to reach out to me at my Instagram. And that is at Kristen underscore run your life. 
Again, that's at Kristen underscore run your life. And could you do me a favor? And if you enjoyed today's episode and can think of anyone else who could benefit from listening to it, could you go ahead and share this out on your social media or share this directly with them? That would mean the world to me, seriously. And make sure if you have not already, to make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so that you get our weekly updates as we drop the next episodes. Thank you, everyone. We seriously appreciate you tuning in today. We'll see you next time. And until then, go run your life.